It is time for a midday program here on KRVN on this uh, Thursday. I lost my day there for just a second. This uh, this whole full week of work thing, I, what's going on with that, Brandon? I'm not a big fan. I'm even worse because the week before Christmas, I was out of town for two days. That's true. And had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then, of course, Wednesday off for Christmas. Came back Thursday, Friday. And then had Monday off because we were blizzarded out. Yeah. And came back Tuesday, had Wednesday off. Then Thursday, Friday, so I still don't know what day it is. Well, uh, that's good because we're going to overwork you maybe here in the roundtable. You may have to do business, too, it looks like, because nobody's coming in for business. I've got a one in three shot. Stocks are up. Stocks are even. Stocks are down. (laughs) I'm going to say stocks are up. How'd I do? Your correction. You did that? No, you were perfect. That was, that was right. Thank I do what you. I can Thank for you, you, brother. You. All right, we got, uh, that's Brandon Bennett's. We've got Susan Littlefield. I'm Scott Foster. Susan, hello from Lincoln. How is the capital city today? It's a little sunny, and we'll take it. I know it. We're a little jealous of that. We're a little battleship gray here in central Nebraska right now. Well, that's what I understand, but mm. you know what? It just keeps everybody on their toes, right? That's yeah, living, living good there in Lincoln. So uh, what do you got for us today? Well, we're going to kick everything off here at 1219. Coming up is a Women in Ag conference that's going to take place, and it is um in February, and Jessica Grosskopf will share the details about the upcoming event. We'll get all of that information coming from Rebel. Then stepping in to give us an update here at 1245 as my computer just blinked. There we go. Alex will be talking with Extension Educator uh, Greg Puckett. He shares information about private, commercial, and non-commercial pesticide training. As we all know, it's that time of year. And actually, you know, the York Ag Expo is going underway today and tomorrow. And they had pesticide training today. So it's a common theme this time of year. And then we continue our Women in Ag series. And today I talk with Kimberly Ford as her daughter nominated her very large involvement in agriculture that started out before she could even toddle. So lots of stuff coming from the midday from us. Wow. That's interesting stuff. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right, Brandon. We turn it over to you. Man, what a what a great game last night in uh, Central Nebraska between Hastings College and Concordia, two of the real heavyweights in women's basketball. If you were a fan of basketball, and especially if you're a fan of women's college basketball, and from what I heard, there were three or four even high school girls teams mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah, yeah. Top five ranked NAIA matchup, and the fourth ranked Hastings Broncos remained unbeaten on the season. They handled the number one ranked team in the nation, Concordia, just their second loss of the season, 66 to 55, 59, in front of a huge crowd at Lynn Farrell Arena. We'll have more on that at our 1225 Sports. And speaking of women's basketball, we're also going to hear from the head coach at the University of Nebraska, Carney Carrie Amy. She's going to give us a preview of the Hillcats. Who are they, you may ask? Well, the MIAA, in its wisdom, has decided to expand teams into Oklahoma and southern Kansas. How big is the MIAA right now? I believe it's now 14 teams when you count all of the teams. Now, there are 12 teams that play football. And then you have Rogers State, which is a newcomer. It does not. Also, Newman University out of Wichita, Kansas. So the first time maybe ever that UNK has played the Hillcats of Rogers State, you can throw the record books out the window with the Most Lopers and the Hillcats, you know, tilted up. So we'll hear from Carrie, Amy, and as a lifelong Kansas City Royals fan, this from the Department of. We'll hear from more about the Royals. That's a tease right there. Yes, it's all coming up on mid.
Time for us to check in on our weather, see what uh, how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here today is, uh, uh, you know, a nice, unseasonably warm day we're expecting, uh, sun we're expecting. Um, and then uh, we're expecting not so good after that. Exactly, yeah. The sun expected to gradually come out. We do have some patchy clouds from about north central and northeast Nebraska on into much of central Nebraska and southwest Nebraska, also northwest, north central Kansas. So there are some areas where we are seeing some sunshine, but also some areas where the cloud cover is really holding the temperatures down right now across the area. But most of our temperature is not too bad, upper 30s to low 40s across the area. You know, and it's a lot of the same area that still might have a little bit of snow snow cover, too. Exactly. Huh? You betcha. Yeah. yeah. So, But yeah, uh, things really go downhill uh, after today, and it doesn't look like it's going to warm up anytime soon, even in our long-term forecast. Really? That cold air going to be sticking around, and... It's going to feel like January here, real well, quick. Well, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like tomorrow we'll take a punch, and then Tuesday we're going to get a haymaker coming in on us. Huh? Wow. <laughs> exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah, a little bit of a recovery on Sunday, Monday, but yeah, after Tuesday, really the big hit comes. Right now, we do have once again those temperatures in the upper 30s to low 40s. Quite a bit of cloud cover still persisting in north central and northeast Nebraska, on into southwest and central Nebraska and north central Kansas, especially along and southeast of a line from O'Neill down to about North Platte and then uh, west of a line from about Norfolk to the Grand Ellen and Hastings area, on into north central Kansas. But some patchy, thin clouds, so sometimes you may be seeing some uh, filtered sunshine. Once again, those temperatures, though, Actually, it's seasonal levels for what we're usually seeing for daytime highs right now, and we're expected to see those temperatures go above normal today. Some sunshine and westerly downslope winds helping in that warm-up today, and temperatures potentially up about 10 degrees warmer than normal for this time of year. Snow chances on the way for tonight. They will increase in western locations later on tonight. An area of low pressure expected to track from the northern Rockies southeastward to Oklahoma. Nothing coming out of the four corners with this system. So the low will be moisture starved, but the strength of this system will help to develop some snow. Snow over the high plains for early tomorrow expected to track to the southeast. Most Nebraska locations expected to receive about an inch or less, but we could see upwards of one to two inches from Imperial to Ogallala into the southern panhandle and also over northern kansas our temperatures tomorrow expected to remain steady or slowly rise from our lows tonight in the 20s adding to that chill tomorrow will be northerly winds at 20 to 30 and some higher gusts now tomorrow night expected to be a cold night Overnight lows in the single digits. Then you combine that with some northerly winds. Those wind chills expected to be below zero. Along the north of I-80, wind chills could reach 10 to 15 below tomorrow night. Now our temperatures do moderate for Sunday and Monday with highs returning to near normal in the 30s. That next shot of colder air, a bigger blast of colder air for Tuesday, but the bigger push of Arctic air after that on Wednesday. And expecting highs in much of the area only in the teens and low 20s on Wednesday. Colder than normal temperatures remain likely for Nebraska and Kansas in our long-term forecast of Tuesday through January 22nd. To go along with that cold, slightly above normal precipitation Tuesday through the 22nd for both Nebraska and Kansas. That better chance of precipitation the middle to late part of next week in central and east Nebraska.
In the regional drought monitor, Nebraska remains 97% drought-free. Abnormal dryness remains in the southwest from Hitchcock to Furnace County. Kansas continues to be 67% drought-free. It's abnormally dry to a moderate drought in much of the western third of Kansas and in the south-central from Coldwater to Hutchinson and Cottonwood Falls right around those areas. There's a smaller area of severe drought in southwest Kansas from Garden City to Elkhart. Market impacting weather factors include southern Brazil rain chances and heavy rains leading to possible flooding in the United States. Tomorrow, an impressive winter storm will begin to intensify across the nation's midsection. Snow will develop across the central plains and reach parts of the Midwest and northern New England during the weekend. Heavy rain and locally severe thunderstorms will erupt from Missouri and Illinois to Michigan and Ohio and southward on it and southward into the delta two to six inches of rain could spark widespread flooding from the mid-south into the lower great lakes with impacts to winter wheat in brazil mostly favorable conditions continue including the improving conditions for the northeast in southern brazil towards rio grande do sol the current outlook predicts a good chance for needed rain and less heat over the next five to seven days but there is some uncertainty with that forecast well, you talked about that this system is going to be pretty uh, moisture-starved, but boy, you look at that and you just mentioned that here on the other side of that low, there is a whole lot of moisture coming up from the Gulf, isn't there? Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be kind of moving to, all right, moving to the southeast from the northern Rockies, so mm-hmm. it'll be just to our south, and then, yeah, then it'll start to, as it goes into the south, pick it up a lot more right. moisture, and then, yeah, we could... It's a strong system, and we're talking possibility of severe thunderstorms yeah. in some of those areas in the middle of January here. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Very good. But not right. for us. Not uh-huh. for us, though. Not for us. Doesn't look like it'll be just going to be cold. It's mm-hmm. just, exactly. Just be cold. And, and probably a little bit of snow, it looks like. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. And we do, by the way, yes. uh, just want to let everybody know uh, we got those maps, the latest snowfall forecast map on our krvm facebook page it is a little bit less on the prediction than we what we were thinking yesterday yeah. yesterday it was looking more widespread one to two inches but it looks like those white one to two inch accumulations more over southwestern locations into northern kansas okay. yeah that's what it looked like on the forecast so and if you haven't bookmarked or, or liked our krvm facebook page that's a pretty good idea why you should exactly Especially. yeah shame on you if you haven't yeah, already come on people <laughs> all right thank you paul i appreciate it uh, where you go to check in on your Weather. Weather tab, krvn.com. Registration for the annual Women in Agriculture Conference is now open. I'm Rebel Seclotro reporting. Jessica Grosskopf, Extension Educator, shares more about the event. This year is the 35th year of the Nebraska Women in Agriculture Conference in Kearney, and it's an event that's designed to not only inspire but also to educate women in agriculture. And so what we do is we have five general session speakers and then we have over 30 different workshops that participants can attend that focus on different aspects of managing uh, Nebraska's farms and ranches. Groskopf says the conference will be centered around the five areas of agricultural risk management. So the five areas of ag-risk management are production, market, financial, human resources, and legal risk. And a lot of times when we talk about events, we talk a lot about production risk, which is only just one facet of the challenges that we face as a farmer or a rancher. So this conference really works hard to look at those other four areas, market, financial, human resources, and legal risk, 
um, in an effort to really ba- balance out the conference and give a broader perspective of what's happening in the agriculture industry. So for example, on the market risk side, we're going to have um, both experts in livestock marketing as well as grain marketing um, presenting workshop sessions to help um, participants understand how to manage that risk more effectively. The event will feature speakers that will touch on a variety of timely topics related to the agriculture industry. We have a great lineup of speakers this year. For our um, general session speakers, we're excited to have Amanda Radke. You might recognize her name from Beef Magazine. She is a blogger, um, a daily blogger for that uh, publication. And she's actually going to be talking about multi-generational operations. She's a fifth-generation ranger from Mitchell, South Dakota, and uh, just a really awesome speaker who's going to talk about her experience as a younger generation coming back to the family ranch. Uh, Another speaker, our keynote speaker um, on Thursday evening will be Michelle Payne, um, and she's with Cause Matters Corporation, and she's known as a community catalyst and an advocate for global agriculture. She really talks a lot about um, how food bullying affects people. So how do we talk about food, um, and how can we engage in a food conversation that's more productive? And she's actually who founded Ag Chat and Food Chat on Twitter, so we're really excited to have her with us as well. With women comprising 36% of America's total agricultural producers, Groskopf says that a conference of this nature is incredibly valuable. Women are an underserved audience when it comes to agriculture education. And so when we think about having an all-women's conference, it really changes the dynamic of um the environment or of the conference as a whole. So we see that women better connect with one another when there's just women in the room. They're more comfortable. They can ask the questions um, more freely. And so it's just a really great opportunity um, to get more knowledge, but also to connect and network uh, with other women who are experiencing the same things. The event will be held February 20th and 21st at the Holiday Inn Convention Center in Kearney. Those interested can register online at wia.unl.edu. Reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. 12-24 here on a Thursday afternoon. Brandon in here. Good afternoon, sir. You keep moving up the time on me. It's always been the 12-25 sports, you know, and I just 30 seconds ago learned it. For a long time. Since when? For Since we started doing live, so yeah. It was always the 12-25 sports. Mm-mm. Okay. No, I learned something new today. The yeah, 12-25 sports is now 12-24. There you go. <laughs> in a top five matchup last night in Hastings, a fourth-ranked Hastings basketball team remained undefeated in the season by handling the top-ranked team of the nation, Concordia Bulldogs, just their second loss of the season, 66-59, to in front of a huge and raucous crowd at Lynn Farrell Arena. The Broncos had four players score nine or more points while forcing the Bulldogs into 25 turnovers, a rough 10-for-23 from the foul line and 37% from the floor. Concordia also went the final six minutes of the first half without scoring a point. Hastings improves to 18-0 on the season, 10-0 in the G-Pack. Concordia falls to 14-2 on the season in their first loss, 9-1, in the Great Plains Athletic Conference. 
University of Nebraska Kearney basketball teams are in Claremore, Oklahoma this evening to take on MIAA newcomer Rogers State University. Head women's basketball coach Carrie Amy gives us this preview of the Hillcats. If the computer will play it. Maybe you could let us all know where Claremore, Oklahoma is. It's in the north. Tonight, the University of Nebraska Kearney men's and women's basketball teams travel to Claremore, Oklahoma to take on MIAA newcomers, the Hillcats, from Rogers State University. On the women's side, head coach Carrie Amy gives us this preview of the Hillcats. Well, you know, I think Rogers is, uh, they haven't gotten off to the best start in the MIAA, but they're a dangerous team. Uh, they're very athletic. They really like to spread the floor. And they, they play undersized, but they, they play hard and, and uh, they try to speed the game up and try to get downhill and draw fouls and get to the rim. So, you know, that's something that we see from from several teams in our league. And, you know, obviously against Pittsburgh, we didn't, we didn't do a great job of protecting the paint uh, or the basket, and so we're going to have to do a much better job here against Rodgers. But again, they, they play really hard. Like I said, they try to speed up the game. They'll try to maybe full-court pressure us. We may see some zone. Um, so it's kind of a team you got to be ready for, for about anything, but you definitely have to be able to guard uh, the bounce. Tip on time. the women's side, the Lopers are 13-2 and two on the season. Stop two. that right there. Tip time for the women is set for 5.30 p.m. and the men scheduled for 7.30 p.m. The task of turning around New York Giants, the New York football Giants, now belongs to a 38-year-old. Scott Foster, have you ever been the head coach of a college or a professional football team? Uh, no, I have not. Then you have all the qualifications needed to be the next Giants head football coach. 38-year-old mm. who has neither run a college nor an NFL team. Giants have hired New England Patriots special teams coordinator and receivers coach Joe Judge to be their next head coach. Now, he's worked under the two best coaches in football, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, spending eight years with the Patriots and three years with Bama. He replaces Pat Shermer, who was fired a week ago after only nine wins in the last two years. Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm is giving up his senior season of eligibility. Hashtag no surprise here. Threw for a career-high 2,860 yards this season, 24 touchdowns, just five interceptions, but he posted the lowest completion percentage and quarterback rating of his college career, 35-7 and seven as the Bulldog starter, including three straight appearances in the SEC championship. Is that Jake from State Farm? That is Jake from State no, Farm. Okay, yeah. good. Just check. And from the... What people choose to be upset about category. <laughs> okay. Kansas City Royals yesterday announced their game times for the 2020 season. It will begin playing on Thursday afternoon, March 26, in one of the earliest opening days that we mm-hmm. can remember. It'll be in Chicago against the White Sox. Now, here's where things get interesting. Generally speaking, the Royals will have games beginning at 7.05 on weekdays. Okay. Back from 7.15 on weekdays this past year, which okay. really had Royals fans up in arms. Evidently, they didn't like the 7.15 start time last year when they'd always had 7.05 start time. Because that does make a huge difference. Ten minutes, evidently, later made a huge difference. Evidently, you don't want to get home that extra ten minutes later. Right. Still going to be 6.05 on Saturdays and, generally speaking, 105 first pitch time on Sundays. Now, other teams are experimenting with start times as well. The Orioles are going to try a 6.35 local start time for weekday games. The Colorado Rockies, they're going to try a 6.40 local start time. The Blue Jays start time seven minutes past the hour for reasons that we can only imagine have to do with the metric system. Huh. So, now, see, I remember back in the day when TBS yes. first came. Yes, everything was 05. And, and it was just like the, it was the weirdest thing 
And uh, but eventually you just kind of I don't think they do that anymore though. I don't know why they did it. I don't either, but it was it was different. It right? was always 705. Unique. We'll just put it that yeah, way. That's right. So, okay. Very good. Thank Today's you. euphemism day. It's unique. It's unique. All unique. right. Very good. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, sir. U.S. Senator Deb Fischer is pleased the Senate Finance Committee on Tuesday approved the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, advancing the trade deal closer to a vote on the Senate floor. Fisher says the timing of the implementation of USMCA is a little uncertain since the measure was sent to seven Senate committees, including the Commerce Committee, which she is a member of. I know that Commerce Committee, we're going to be having um, our, our meeting on it next week. So we're uh, obviously going to push to make sure we can get this done quickly. And um, it's, it'll be a huge boost to the state of Nebraska, and not just, not just agriculture, but for businesses, for manufacturing, and it'll be um, real positive for Nebraska families. The House of Representatives last month approved the USMCA. It's not yet known when the full Senate will have a vote to ratify the USMCA to replace the North American Free Trade Agreement. Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell recently indicated the trade deal could be voted on after the Senate concludes its impeachment trial of U.S. President Donald Trump. Two U.S. officials say it is highly unlikely that an Iranian anti-aircraft missile downed a Ukrainian jetliner late Tuesday, killing all 176 people on board. President Donald Trump is suggesting he believes Iran was responsible. He is dismissing Iranian claims that it was a mechanical issue that brought down the plane and is denying any U.S. responsibility. The officials citing U.S. intelligence spoke on the condition of remaining anonymous to discuss sensitive information. The crash came just a few hours after Iran launched a ballistic missile attack against the Iraqi military bases, housing U.S. troops amid a confrontation with Washington over a U.S. drone strike that killed an Iranian Revolutionary Guard general. Nebraska would see a big return on investments that would help single mothers graduate from college, according to a new report from the Institute of Women's Policy Research. Lindsay Reichland Cruz with the Institute says the economic well-being of Nebraska's 10,000-plus college students who are single mothers and their kids depends on getting a college degree. Moms who graduate with an associate's degree are 50% less likely to live in poverty than a high school graduate. There are clear economic benefits to making sure that these women have the opportunity to succeed and a little bit of an investment in their success will result in long-term benefits for all of us. The report projects that if Nebraska invests just $7 million to support 10% of single moms in college, the state would see a total economic return of $51 million through tax revenues and other savings. Graduation rates would also increase by 47%. Single mothers with a bachelor's degree in Nebraska are projected to contribute $195,000 more to the state's tax coffers than single moms with just a high school diploma. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network as registration is now open for 2020 private pesticide training as well as commercial and non-commercial pesticide training. And here with all the details is Greg Puckett. He's an extension assistant with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. 
Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Well, let's start off as Nebraska Extension's private pesticide training. That season runs from January through April. So what are some different options if they need to get recertified? Uh, So we have our traditional uh, private in-person training sessions that are offered. um, And we have our extension educators throughout the state that conduct those. And I think we have... uh, over 200 of those sessions scheduled for this year. So plenty of opportunities there. Um, And last year we actually introduced a new online private program um, that they can use instead if they so choose. Um, And so um, they can sort of go in and knock it out as they have time and um, at their convenience. And uh, so that's another really great option. And if they don't want to do either of those, they they can also take um, a private applicator exam administered by the agriculture department. Um, but I, I believe most people choose to do the training sessions. How often do folks need to get recertified and how do they know when they're up to get recertified? That's a great question. Uh, so uh, certification is good for three years in Nebraska and uh, so they can look on their pesticide license and it should have an expiration date on there um, and also they uh, they will receive a letter in the mail uh, notifying them that their certification is about to expire this year and um, that they need to uh, get recertified this this spring very good. And that's on the private applicator side. Let's switch to commercial, non-commercial. Uh, what sort of opportunities do folks have in that realm? Yeah, so we, uh, as with the private, we have in-person training sessions for the commercial and non-commercial applicators. Um, and so all of those dates are listed on our website, uh, which is pested.unl.edu. And if you go to the list, um, you'll see that each site and each date has uh, different categories offered depending on which sort of pesticide applications you'll be making. Um, So if you're going to be, if you work for a co-op and you're going to be spraying row crops, then you'll want to find one with the the 01 category agricultural plant um, and so on. And... This year, we're very happy to be introducing uh, our new flipbook option. Um, These are going to be replacing our PDF manuals. And so these are going to be a really great tool for applicators to study for their NDA exams to get their licenses. Um, And so what they consist of is our traditional manual text and photos and all that good stuff. And then they'll also have the training videos embedded in them. And so it takes out the need for them to go to the, the in-person sessions. Um, and so sort of like the online private, they can study up at their convenience on their own time, um, take a break when they need to, and um, sort of get the best of both worlds there. So, For those who are interested in applying in the future. Can you kind of explain the difference between commercial, non-commercial, or whether they need to be private? Can you explain that difference? Sure. So 
the law sort of divides uh, pesticide applicators into private applicators, commercial applicators, and non-commercial applicators. Um, and so private applicators would be essentially farmers and ranchers who are going to be uh, making applications of restricted-use pesticides um, on their own property in the pursuit of uh, producing agricultural commodities. Um, commercial applicators, they're a much more broad group of people. These can be people working for a co-op. They can be people working at a nursery, game and parks employees who they would actually be non-commercial, but um, controlling aquatic weeds, structural pest control. It's uh, a lot more broad in, in the commercial category. Um, and then non-commercial is primarily state employees who are making applications on public lands or if you work for um, maybe a golf course and you're going to be spraying on your employer's land, that would be a non-commercial applicator. And then what's the best way to find these sessions and materials and any other information they may need? All of our information about uh, training sessions and what you need to do, maybe what uh, sort of applicator you are, all of that information can be found on our website at pested.unl.edu. And if you have any other questions um, that aren't answered by our website, you can always feel free to give our office a call at 402-472-1632. All right. Thanks so much for the information. We've been visiting with Greg Puckett. He's an extension assistant as we've been discussing registration for 2020 private pesticide training as well as commercial and non-commercial pesticide training. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our business report here on our midday program. Stocks, everybody breathing a pretty good sigh of relief after uh, the stand down by Iran. I think that stocks have reflected that. The Japanese Nikkei up 547 points, which is a huge jump for them. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong is up 481. The FTSE in London up 23, and the German DAX index is up 124. Here in the United States, uh, good news also. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 192 points. NASDAQ is up 62, and the Standard & Poor Index is up 17, with the 10-year yield down a little bit today, almost a percentage point. We turn it over to Dave Schroeder for more. Well, indeed, Scott, stocks are climbing in midday trading. Uh, There is relief that the United States and Iran appear to be stepping away from the edge of war as also fueling a two-day rally. Money is flowing into riskier investments such as technology stocks and out of hiding spots for investors when they're nervous, such as gold and treasuries. A measure of fear in the stock market dropped to its lowest level in nearly two weeks. Now, retail stocks are sliding, though. Bed, Bath & Beyond plunged 19.6% after withdrawing its annual profit guidance. The housewares retailer made the decision following a disappointing third quarter where both earnings and revenue missed Wall Street forecasts. 
Kohl's fell 9.4%, and J.C. Penney shed 11.5% after reporting sales declines during the holiday season. The weak results underscore the continued challenges ahead from online rivals. And indeed, uh, the mall-based retailers like J.C. Penney, Kohl's, and Victoria's Secret parent company declined during the holiday season. Uh, the also... Uh, discounters are feeling pressure from online behemoth Amazon, which has been speeding up their deliveries and sprucing up their assortments. But mall-based retailers have been slow to react to the increasing competition. On the mortgage side, U.S. long-term mortgage rates fell this week to their lowest level in 13 weeks as financial markets roiled by the U.S.-Iran conflict pushed investors towards the safety of Treasury bonds. Meanwhile, the yield on Treasury bonds, especially the 10-year note, tends to influence mortgage rates. Mortgage buyer Freddie Mac said that the average rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage dropped to 3.64%. That's from 3.72% last week. The benchmark rate was 4.4% just one year ago. And uh, also, Microsoft says it's developed a technique to detect online predators who try to groom children for sexual purposes using the chat function in the multiplayer video games. The tech company, which makes the uh, Xbox gaming system, announced it's sharing the tool with nonprofit organizations and other gaming and message service developers. That's a check of business today. Thanks, Dave. And to reiterate something that you had said earlier, one of the indicators of where stocks are going is what's called an emotion index between fear and greed. And you kind of mentioned this. We moved away from the fear, and now... Uh, according to this uh, key, we are at extreme greed right now, and that's why you're seeing the movement towards stocks with maybe a little bit more... Uh, Getting back into the game, right. absolutely. Absolutely. All right, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Get ready, Nebraska. Coe Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carn. Co Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and the Department. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Co Wetzel at Red Dirt on the River. Continuing our focus on women in agriculture. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Kimberly Ford was nominated by her daughter, Marie, who said, We have the cross-diamond sale every year, and she writes the catalog. She's helped teachers in FFA, and she hosts a livestock judging event at our sale barn. Ever since she was a child to present day, she has been involved in agriculture. So I asked Kimberly to talk about the background that she has in this industry. I was raised on a ranch in, um, in western Nebraska at Lakeside, um, which is out in the Sand Hills, and raised on a registered cattle operation. We had commercial and registered cows out there and so kind of grew up in the cattle business and then went to college at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln and majored in ag journalism and uh, then and also met my husband Scott there and we went back to the ranch in Lakeside for 10 years and then had the opportunity to move to Bertrand um, with our cattle operation and in some uh, farming aspects too. And we did that in, um, in 2006. 
and have uh, formed Cross Diamond Cattle Company at that time and uh, have an annual bull sale every year and uh, it's just worked out really well. So um, my cattle background and the ag journalism have all come into play in a lot of different ways through, through that journey. And I asked what she likes about ag. I love the diversity. Um, I mean, I, I really like the diversity of everything from the advertising to the production part of it to the breeding of the cattle and, um, you know, the mix of kind of the mental and physical labor that, that on our ranch you, you run into every day. What advice would you give to a, to a young woman who is wanting to be involved in this industry? I would advise not only young women but young men as well to to just really, uh, there's so much diversity in, in the agricultural field. Uh, I mean, we can look at it just the diversity between farming and ranching, and then also the diversity from what we need in production agriculture to communication to research and development. And to really be aware of all the opportunities that um, that are out there, you know, okay, Maybe maybe someone doesn't really especially enjoy the production part of it. There are so many other opportunities. So my advice would be to um, to really to really take a look at and ex- try to find exposure to all those opportunities that um, that are out there and and that we really need in agriculture. We need good young people to tell our story or to um, be involved in so many different phases. Um, to keep us going, so that would be my advice to just to just always be looking and keep your eyes open for for those great opportunities that are out there. What are some things that agriculture maybe needs to do better than what we've done in the past? Mm. That might be another front is to is to just really um, really be sure that our young people know that they can be involved in agriculture in so many different ways and and that there are a lot of opportunities um, not only to return to um, family farms or ranches or to smaller communities, but also the opportunities that there are all across the board to be involved. That's Kimberly Ford, another great woman in agriculture. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, taking a look here at our closing markets, a split screen here with wheat again higher, corn, soybeans lower. We're now in under the wire. We'll have the uh, the tomorrow's WASI report coming out soon. So your thoughts? Looks like wheat could be a player. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got a couple things going on. Yesterday, kind of set the stage with Egypt buying. Uh, their, their purchase price jumped from I think we were around $222 per metric ton uh, going back uh, last month, and now we're at $232 a metric ton. Last season's high was up around 250 is what they paid, and they paid that uh, actually in the fall. So I think this is a very good sign going, going into the time of the year when you could typically have weather problems, both here and in Russia. You also have a Russian ruble that's climbing and getting stronger, and as that gets stronger, that creates a little more of a dynamic that makes our, our wheat competitive. So all things going well. Uh, Chicago wheat has a really bullish story when it, comes to, um, when it comes to the supply side. We have tight stocks in this country, um, and acreage is going to be low. So tomorrow we're poised to rally. Uh, right now we went into the close at a dollar about $1.75 over corn, uh, and 
that is uh, almost a dollar above where we were in July when we were only 60 cents over corn. So in my opinion, the corn is really the one that would be up for a surprise tomorrow. If we get, you know, acreage that would fall uh, and then, you know, demand doesn't fall combined with some uh, some yield cuts, I think you could see a carryout below 1.8, and that would, I think, spark a move up to $4. Have you seen any movement in options trading that could signal maybe managed money's preparing for one direction or the other? Well, they're the options have gotten expensive. So if you look at something that expires tomorrow on the close, I mean, they're factoring in a, you know, a 380 put and call combo when you buy the call and the put. It's going for like 11 cents combined. So we're, we're counting on a 10 cent move in corn. Uh, and the soybean side, a little bit slower volatility given the break we saw today, but still about 10 to 15 cents on the straddle there. So we're pricing in a move. You know, whether or not we get the data to, to, to support it, it you know, I would be, my advice would be buy the break, sell the rally. If it's really, really strong rally, be having their cash sales ready to sell, you know, move up to three ninety five, four dollars And on the same side, if it's a bearish number and everybody's, you know, down on it, uh, I would buy breaks into the low 370s. So if you catch a dime move south, I think, I think it's a really good place to get long, specifically on some deferred contracts like July or September. Again, we've been talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more about their newsletter, This Week in Grain, by visiting danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options does involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Consider those risks before investing. Again, grain traders closely watching tomorrow's WASD quarterly stocks and wheat acreage and planning numbers. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.